Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, sports fans? Zach Mikosh from Denver Stiffs here. Listen, you probably have a spot in town where you like to go and watch sports, and you probably have another spot in town where you go to get good food. Well, I'm here to tell you that for me, those two spots are one and the same. Jake's Sports and Spirits, located at 38th and Walnut Street, is your one-stop shop for great sports viewing and even better food. With their 20 TVs featuring every sports package available, you're never going to miss out on your favorite team. On top of that, Jake's has a wide variety of delicious food, so whether you're looking for the best wings in Denver, a delicious sandwich or burger, or maybe even a lighter thing like a salad, Jake's has you covered. Make sure you come by on the weekends, too, for their great breakfast menu, which is served from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's Jake's Sports and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street. Come on down and make sure to tell them the Stiffs sent you. Baseball pass. He's got Boudier. Recording live from Jake's Sports and Spirits in the historic Rhino District of Denver, Colorado, it's the Pickaxe Podcast, presented by Denver Sticks. Great fake. Oh! All right, what's up, everybody? It's Zach Nikosh here from Denver Stiffs. We're back again to do the Pickaxe Podcast. Uh, once again, really quick, we, we changed the format a couple weeks back. What we're doing now is we've got all Denver Stiff staff solely dedicated to the podcast, and we do we do a weekly roundtable. Um, so with that said, I am I'm super, super excited about this week because not only do I have the two female voices of Denver Stiffs with me today, but this is also... The first time, I believe, in the Pickaxe Podcast history where we have an all-CSU Rams cast. So that um, that is what is most exciting for me. And with that said, I'll go ahead and do the introduction. So directly to my left, I have the queen of Tweet of the Week. You can see her column every Saturday on DenverStiffs.com, and that is Kayla Osby. Kayla, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. And then sitting across from me, uh, the newest writer to Denver Stiff, she's been with us about a, about a month. Uh, that is Ashley Douglas. Ashley, how are you? Doing great. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Anytime. So we will. We are gonna. We're gonna do our best on this one. We've had. We've had great podcasts the past couple weeks because there's been all kinds of crazy stuff going on. We had the trade deadline, we had the Americans trade, with the All Star game. This is the first week where we're really kind of just in a uh, in a normal week-to-week situation, um, so we'll do our best for you guys. First thing I wanted to start about, start talking about, though, um, is, of course, the number one thing to talk about when it comes to Nuggets, and that's Nikola Jokic. Back-to-back triple-doubles in his past two games. He, uh, both on the road against, against Chicago and Milwaukee, um, and it, the funny thing about it is, is, up until those back-to-back games, Jokic really hasn't been playing too well, right? He had, the, he had a really bad game against Sacramento. Um, followed that up with the game against the Nets, where I think he had like one shot. And everybody had this had this narrative going that well, maybe Jokic is getting fatigued. We even talked about it on the podcast last week. 
Uh, then he comes back and gets two triple doubles. Kayla, I'll start with you. Do you think that the fatigue thing is maybe a little overblown? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what, what was going on with him, but I think the fact that, yeah, he came back and um, is playing just like we were used to seeing him playing before. Um, I don't know if it was just, I don't know if it was fatigue or, or what was going on, but I think, you know, when the team plays well, obviously he, he really plays well, and I think kind of the whole team just maybe slumped for a little bit, but yeah, I don't, I think it was kind of a little blown. I don't think it was gotcha. what it was. Ashley? I think it's definitely been overblown, but I think that really what was happening was that teams were learning. Like We've been excited about Jokic for a long time now, right? But I think other teams are starting to pick up that Jokic is the real deal, and I think they were adjusting to him, and I think it took time for him to adjust to them adjusting to him. And so maybe he wasn't fatigued. Maybe, maybe he just was getting played a little more tough, and so he had to figure that out. And it didn't take him long to do it. Um, obviously, he was right back in right back in action. And maybe he was fatigued. He came off All-Star weekend, um, didn't have a break, and um, took a couple games to be slack, I guess. But he's fine now. So Yeah, you know, and I think as both of you were kind of pointing out, like the whole team was slumping, um, as you pointed out, Kayla. And then as, as what you were saying, Ashley, is that, um, you know, teams were game planning for Jokic. And I don't even know if it's so much of game planning for Jokic, but I think teams are figuring out that the Nuggets are going to run their offense through him. That, you know, practically every possession that he's on the floor, that ball is going to end up being at his hands. Usually, somewhere in the high post, uh, usually they're going to run some sort of either a, a dribble handoff with him, or they're going to run a, a pick and roll. Um, and, and, and we've seen, you know, we've seen that work so many times. Like, uh, the thing I always remember is like the game against the Kings a few months back, Jamal Murray runs the pick and roll, Passes to Jokic and then cuts, kind of cuts behind him, and Jokic does a crazy over over the back um, assist. And I think he, maybe it was the uh, maybe it was that Kings game again, or maybe it was um, I don't even been the Memphis game. But he he tried that move again, and it just uh, they were they were ready for it. Like yeah. there, nobody's getting surprised by him now. Um, so I think you're right. I think I think the fatigue thing is a little overblown right now. Ashley, you pointed out, you know, he was at the All Star break. I think that probably has to do it. Kind of knowing. Jokic seems like a pretty low-key guy. He's doing all these crazy media events. Uh, I think that probably was more to it than overall fatigue. But I would say I, I would not be surprised if at some point he does run into some fatigue. I mean, the guy hasn't stopped playing basketball for almost two years. So is it overblown? I, I would I would tend to agree with both of you and say yes. Um, but uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see it more, more as we go down the stretch here. The thing about it, though, is, is, is even if he is fatigued, right, he gets these two triple doubles back-to-back. Uh, I think somebody was throwing on the set. It might have been uh, Fat Lieber is the last Nuggets. I think uh, TJ McBride from BSN tweeted that out. Last time a, a guy got back-to-back triple doubles for the Denver Nuggets in back-to-back games. I think Matumbo did it in, like, you know, two games in a row, but they weren't. You know, there was a few days in between where he had some rest. Matumbo, guy you can... Make a make a very solid argument, best center ever to play for the Nuggets. Ashley, where would you rank Nikola Jokic right now, as far as Nuggets centers? I mean, that's a really that's tough because I think Nikola Jokic transcends the the traditional center role so much that it's hard to it's hard to judge him just based on that. So I would probably say top three. Um, but he's such a unique situation. I truly think he's he's a point center, yep. and uh, 
such a cool thing to have. So in the point center category, he's probably first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. There's, I don't know that you could argue there's ever been a point center um, for the Nuggets before. And you say top three, which I would, I would, I think absolutely because the other two guys you're talking about in that top three are probably Dikembe Mutombo and Dan Issel. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to go way back to the early '80s for Dan Issel, but he was he was an amazing scorer. Yeah. Um, Ashley, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think definitely top three. I think by the time he's done playing, though, he'll probably be hopefully the, one of the best, um, the best center that we have. Uh, and yeah, so it's so cool because he obviously is a much different player than Dikembe Mutombo. Um, right. So, but yeah, I think he's he's definitely going to be in the top three. Top three. I will I will go as far to say that I think he projects to be the best center of all time for the Nuggets. Um, for my money right now, that's still Dan Issel because of the body of work that he put in. Um, Dikembe, uh, probably, you would you could say right now, was the most most talented center the Nuggets ever had. But he only played for them um, for a handful of years before he, before he ended up moving on. So, I think, but I think Jokic, provided he stays healthy, which his game is, is fairly, um, fairly injury-proof. Obviously, anything could happen, but Jokic isn't a guy who's going to tear an ACL doing some crazy sort of drive to the basket and, and with a hard cut or anything like that. Um, so I think he's got a good chance health-wise, and, and the Nuggets would be crazy not to be all in on him long-term. So there's a good chance he'll be on the team for a long time. So yeah. I, I agree with both of you. I think top three for sure right now, and I, I think he um, he's probably going to end up being the best, best uh, Nuggets center ever to play play for him, at least up until, up until he retires. Um, going back to those triple-doubles, he he gets he gets those two back to backs. I think that's now four. He has this this season all in the month of February, um, and it's kind of you know he's been close a couple times, and he got it was like kept waiting for him to get it, kept waiting for him to get it. And now that he seems like he finally got over that hump in that first one, it's like now it's just he just he's banging him out. Um, we're seeing we're seeing so many so many revolutions, I guess you could say, in his, as far as uh, triple doubles this season. I mean, Russell Westbrook is. is Maybe average triple double, which we haven't seen since what, Oscar Robertson. It's amazing, right? And and uh, James Harden has a ton. Uh, LeBron still has like I think seven. I'm gonna let's just throw let's throw some numbers out here, um, Caleb. If you were gonna throw a number at it next season when he's got a full season, he's kind of go over this home. And, he, and obviously there won't be any crazy. Hey, we're gonna try starting Jokic and Jokic together or anything like that. Obviously the Nuggets will focus on Jokic as to keep their offense. So next season, what do you think? I mean, what's a realistic number of triple doubles to expect out of him? Um, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, the fact that he has four in, you said, like, one month. I mean, I want to say at least, I don't know, 10 or 15. I mean, the fact that he was coming off the bench for a lot of the season and um, it was he was in foul trouble, and you just you, you kind of just feel like if he stays out of foul trouble and obviously gets the minutes that he's getting now, like, he's probably going to get at least 10 or 15. Right. I don't know, it could be even more. Right, and what's, God, what's so crazy is like, just a couple of years ago, if you had said somebody was going to get 10 or 15 triple doubles in a single season, people would be like, you're nuts. Like, yeah. this is, what are you talking about? Like I said, LeBron only has seven. Um, but Jokic, his, his game is just so diverse, and he's always the hardest thing. I mean, points are usually the easiest part to get about a triple double, right? I mean, for a couple guys, maybe that's not the case, but generally the guys getting triple doubles are star players. They run offenses or run through them. They're going to get their points. It's always it's always the rebounds and then or assists or blocks whatever the, the other stats are going to be, and so for Jokic being the center, the rebounds come naturally as well, right? But 
So the hard part for a lot of centers is is most of them try and get it through blocks, right? They get ten blocks in game, which is really really hard to do. Even the best centers that only happens you know once or twice a season for them, and then they also have to have the points and rebounds to go with it. But Jokic. He doesn't do it that way, right? No, he's expecting to get 10 blocks a game. He's, he's getting it with assists. And as we said, the Nuggets are running that offense through him. So I think you're right on point. 10 to 15, totally doable. Um, Ashley, what about you? What do you think? I'll probably agree. I was I was going to play conservative and say 8 to 10, but I think you're probably right. 10 to 15 is, is more appropriate. Because the other night when he had his triple-double, his second triple-double, um, I guess in that back-to-back, it didn't seem like that big of a deal, which it's a really big deal, but it wasn't It wasn't like everybody was drawing attention to it, and I think it's because it's just effortless for him. Right. Everybody's paying attention more to, like, Gallinari because Gallinari's getting all the points. Well, Jokic is giving him the assists, and that's why it's so exciting and all these fireworks, and Jokic is, you know, behind the scenes of all of that. So I think it's now that the players know what he's capable of, I think 10 to 15 even more is... Doable. Yeah. That's, again, the, the, I like the word effortless because because you're right. It's in the sense of it's just like a triple double is almost. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get crazy here and say he's going to end up doing what Westbrook is doing and end up averaging a triple double, but it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility because it is effortless. It's just him playing his game in the system that the Nuggets have designed, and it just kind of is a byproduct of, of all that. So, yeah, I, I like that. I like the effortless ten to fifteen. If I were going to put a number on it, I don't know what. It, I want, to, I'm going to, I want to look this up real quick. This is, this is me doing bad bad homework on my podcast. Um, but I want to see how many how many triple doubles does Westbrook have this, this season. Oh, it's something ridiculous. It's right? like it's kind in of, the 20s. That's what I was thinking. So, yeah. That guy seemed to be averaging one. So, well, so the all-time is great. Or the all-time is 41 by Oscar Robertson. Um, and it looks like Westbrook has 29. Mm-hmm. With 30. So he'll, I mean, because Westbrook will get over 30, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's probably pretty. That that would be the, the podcast uh, hot take of the day right there. If I was going to say thirty, I don't know. I, I but I might I might even go maybe maybe twenty triple doubles next season. It's it's totally possible. I think I think he's um, like you guys said. It's just he's just so he's so versatile, and it's just so much a byproduct of what they're doing. Um, all that being said, with Jokic at the bottom line, we're not here to get triple doubles, right? The Nuggets are here to win the championship. They've decided to run their offense through Jokic. Actually, I'll ask you first, is Jokic the guy you can build a championship roster around? I think yes, and I think he's the Nuggets need to take advantage of this opportunity with this guy on their team. You don't get somebody like this all the time. And I right. think that if they if they are actually serious about making a championship run or even a late playoffs run for that matter, um, they need to focus on building the offense around Jokic and you know making him the focal point. Absolutely, I um. Well, I, Kayla, I'll get your opinion first. Uh, same question: is, is he the guy you build your championship roster around? Yeah, definitely. I think the thing that I love most about the team too is just the, the kind of player he is. And I, he's he's a player that everybody else is going to want to play with. So I think it's that's the best thing about him is that you know other players are going to want to come here and play if, if he's at the center of it and he obviously makes everybody else better and um, yeah I think he's, he's definitely going to be the focal point I think he can definitely be a focal point of a championship okay I like it this is the first time I'm going to disagree with you too um, <laughs> I don't think Jokic is the number one guy on the championship roster 
because I think you can game plan enough around what he does that in a playoff series where you're playing the same team potentially seven times in a row, I think teams will be able to lock in and force force the Nuggets to to do something else. I think they'll try and take that away from him or away from them. Uh, Jokic just play more than anything. I would say he's the number two guy on a championship roster, and that you got because you have to. I think you build your team around. Um, that dynamic score uh, that every championship team has and that every championship team is built around. Whether it was the Mavericks building building a team around um, Dirk Nowitzki, whether it's the, the Warriors and Steph Curry, Lakers and Kobe Bryant, uh, on and on and on it goes. The only the only case maybe where it really wasn't that was um, the Pistons, but that, that Pistons team won the championship back in, what was it, 04? That's such an anomaly. I mean, we've never seen a team like that again. So I would say the great thing about Jokic, though, is he fits with almost anybody, right? We were, we were kind of talking about before the podcast how every single player on the Nuggets plays better when they play with Jokic. So if I were going to say um, where he fits as far as building a roster, I don't think you build a championship roster around him. I think he's the biggest piece of a build around someone else. Um, and I will say I think that maybe Jamal Murray could end up being that guy. Certainly, certainly the only guy on the roster who I think has the potential to be that way. Um, but that's what I would say. I would say I think you think you probably you probably need one more guy uh, who can just flat out score for you and get open for Jokic. I think that's the key is somebody who can compliment him. And I, you know, I don't want to be a, too much of a Danilo Gallinari cheerleader over here, but I feel like he, you know, it could be a good option for him to partner up with Jokic in that way. The other night was super exciting, and I got that momentum flowing early. So I don't know. Maybe they can make a good combo. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. That's um, that's a great point. I mean, Gallo has played. We'll talk about Gallo here because he has played so. Uh, he's played so great, and he is right now. You're right. He is that guy. He's that that number one scoring option. I mean, he leads a team in scoring, um, and, and right now playing with uh, playing with Jokic, he's been phenomenal. I would I would agree with that. I, I, I mean, I would, I'm not going to say that, that Gallo is is a, a number one option on the championship team because I think he's maybe like the third option at best. Um, but, but for right now, you're right, Ashley. It is, it is absolutely worth it with Gallo there. Um, all right, we'll pivot here real quick because the other, for every for every yin, there's a yang, right? And uh, as good as Jokic has been, uh, the other the other young prospect, now that Nurkic is gone, the other young prospect on the Nuggets who's, who's now been the most disappointing for the team uh, is, is certainly Emmanuel Moutier. And it kind of culminated right after the All-Star break when, when it was told that Moutier is healthy, um, and yet though even though he's healthy, he um, he's not he's not playing. So that uh, that that's an interesting revelation. He did though get a chance to play against the Bucks game. Kayla, I'll start with you. What were your takeaways uh, from from him getting getting back into the rotation on that one game? At least? Um, yeah, I thought he was okay. I think he was kind of anxious to. Look for his shot, and um, he, he missed a few shots. But I think he, I think he did okay, and, and just you know, going with the flow of the game. And um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sad obviously to see what's happened, and I don't like the fact that he's been benched and not playing any minutes. But I think when he does get in, he, uh, as long as he just stays calm and doesn't get too anxious about it, I think he'll be fine. Gotcha. Um, you know, when I when I looked at that game, I thought it was like, I was like yeah, this is a, it was, it was a good, it was a good reserve game. I mean, he didn't, he only had one turnover. Scored a handful of points, got a handful of assists. I think he played like 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was like more or less like, yeah, all right, that's he was like a, 
average backup point guard. Um, game, Ashley, what about you? Were you impressed? Did you, did you take anything away from it? So I've, I've actually never been a huge Moutier. That's right. I, yeah. I've seen this on Twitter. You are an admit Moutier hater. Yeah. It's so, and I, I think he's a great guy. I do think, I'm going to be very honest, I think the Nuggets did a little bit of a disservice to him thrusting him into the spotlight yep. so quickly. Yep, they, totally they were desperate to replace Ty Lawson, and they threw Moutier in there as the, the next best thing, and he wasn't ready. Um, I think he did okay, you know, the other night. I think my problem with Moutier is that, like you just said, Kayla, he goes in and he just tries to look for a shot. Mm-hmm. Cool. But what are you doing to promote and facilitate offense? You know, what are you doing to, you know, pass the ball? And to be fair, he did have a really couple really great passes. Um, but, yeah, I think I think he's a viable backup once they develop Jamal Murray and, and maybe um, good good trade fodder um, in the offseason. Trade fodder. Strong takes. Strong takes from Ashley. I like it. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm a big Moutier fan, actually, to be honest with you. I, um, I've talked about this plenty of times. Moutier, I think, is the best player on the Nuggets when it comes to getting to the basket. Uh, I think his dribble penetration is amazing. Um, but then he's, yeah, I mean, the finishing issues are, are what kill him, along with the turnovers. But I see that, and I see it, I look at it, when a person keeps missing layups, like, that, that's very correctable. Um, turnovers, his turnovers are oftentimes related to, to one of two things. Either A, he's trying some ridiculous pass, which we've seen less of this season, but it was really prevalent last season. He's trying some pass, though, that, that there's just no chance it's going to happen. Or B, he just dribbles into, like, five defenders and then uh, loses, the, loses the ball. I think both of those are things you learn, learn not to do with experience. So I don't I don't know. I would I would be upset if they if they traded him, they gave up on him. I think he has the potential to be very good. I will say I think Jamal Murray is probably cementing himself right now as the starting point guard of the future for the Nuggets. He uh, he got to start that game um, against Milwaukee because Jameer was out and he, he didn't have a great game night shooting, but he was making the right plays, you know, constantly and I think he was showing that he's capable of running the offense as much as someone needs to when you're playing with a guy like Jokic. But yeah, I think he showed he was capable of that. So I don't think Moutier is probably, I think, calling him the starting point guard or the star point guard of the future for the Nuggets is probably, at this point, a little bit of a stretch. I think he could be an amazing point guard off the bench. Um, and, and Jamal's got so much versatility that Jamal can slide over a shooting guard. Moutier's big enough to where he can slide over a shooting guard as well. Um, so I, I think there's still a chance for him to be part of this core going forward. Um, I'm kind of with both of you. I don't... I don't necessarily think that right now maybe um, he's, he's, you know, is, is he going to get, or is he shooting and playing a bunch? I don't know. I guess, I mean, Ashley, though, you had kind of mentioned, not Ashley, keep doing that. Kayla, you had kind of mentioned um, that uh, you thought, though, that he should be playing. And why didn't you just elaborate a little bit on yeah. why that is? I, I don't know. I just think to not play him for so long, it just, he's not going to get any better if he's just sitting on the bench. and. Um, I think he should at least be playing some minutes, even if it, if he does go to, you know, to being the backup point guard. And I don't, I just don't like seeing players on my team like not not happy. And I would say I don't think he's happy with the situation. But um, yeah, and I think I think he, yeah, like you said, I think he could be a good backup point guard. I think he just needs to get that opportunity. And, Do you think so? If you were, I mean, if for him to play right now, like, is there a player you think maybe they should should not be playing, or is it just a matter of hey, we should just expand the rotation to fit him in? Um. I, I don't know. I think 
maybe play Will Barron a little less. I'm not sure. Because, yeah, it is tough because you have Gary Harris and Jamal right, to, right. to be getting a lot of minutes. But, I mean, all three of those guys and Jimmy were in the rotation at the, you know, in the earlier part of the season. So, um, I, I kind of like what Malone's done as far as, like, shortening the rotation. But uh, I don't really know who you cut out or get less minutes. I'd like to see Jameer Nelson get fewer yeah. minutes. Yeah. I think he's a solid contributor sometimes. Sometimes he's really not. You know, it's yeah. very inconsistent. So I think Moody is more of a viable backup than Jameer Nelson. So I think maybe he needs to spend some time on the bench. So you would you would actually, actually, you would, you would move Jameer basically out of the rotation and then you would, you would put Jamal, I'm assuming, as your starting point guard. And then Moody is the backup. Moody is the backup, yeah, with the intent of developing him. I mean, if they're going to keep him around, like you guys say, then they need to get the minutes. He needs to get that practice. But, you know, if they're just going to keep him on the bench, he's never going to be a good backup for them. Gotcha. Okay, so so bottom line, um, how long is he with the team? Do you guys think he's a long-term Nuggets player? Ashley, I'll start with you. I'm going to try to keep my personal bias out of it. I think... I think Crystal bias is totally welcome on the Kick-Ass <laughs> okay. Podcast. Uh, I would like to see him not be a long-term player. And if he can correct his me monster, I call him the me monster, because he feel like he just wants to score and get attention for that. That's just my opinion. But I think the Nuggets do want to invest some into him. And so if they choose to do that, he'll probably be a long-term player. Yeah, I think they'll, I think they're going to be patient with him just because, yeah, the, the team did kind of go all in with him, and it would kind of look ridiculous now to give up on him. Um, after just a couple seasons, but I don't really know how long that that's going to be. Um, especially how it depends on how fast Jamal Murray comes along. I think. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if anyone were to sit here and say, oh, "I know that Moody is going to be on the team forever," obviously that's not true of any player uh, in the league. I would say this: they uh, Moody has two more years on his rookie contract after this one. Um, obviously, they're both team options, so the team at any time could say, "No good." They won't do that. Um, I think he's, he's definitely on the team next season. Uh, and if he still is playing, kind of having struggles by trade deadline, then then you, at that point you got to try and move him to get what you can get for him because it's probably not going to get any better. But I would say if he's showing any sort of improvement at all, uh, they pick up that team option for the next season and they continue to see. And it really won't be until he's had four years in the league when he's up for that new contract He'd be a restricted free agent, so the Nuggets would have the opportunity to match any, any sort of contract that uh, was offered to him. That's, I think, the time you make the decision on, on Moutier. And I would even say that, that as long as he's shown that he's capable of being in the rotation, which he hasn't right now. Like, let's be honest, he's, he's been bad when he's been in the rotation. Necessar- benching him that isn't necessarily a bad thing to do. Um, but I think if he's in the rotation, he's, he's a solid contributor for the team when that contract comes up. I think they re-sign him. Uh, and if they have to pay big bucks, all the better, because then he's probably doing pretty well. One thing I noticed is, is a lot of these guys, I mean, it happens. A guy like Otto Porter is a great example. He's in the fourth year now of his career. He was he was the third overall pick and uh, looked like a bust for those first couple seasons. And now he's he's shooting uh, out of people who qualify, because I don't think DA qualifies. He hasn't played enough or shot enough three-pointers. But out of all the people uh, who qualify for three-pointers this season, Otto Porter is shooting the best of anyone. So it, um, I think there's the there's the chance there that hey, Moutier can still turn this thing around. Certainly, uh, there's also the chance though that uh, Moody ends up like I was talking about Gordon with this on the uh, on Twitter. And he could end up like a guy like Sebastian Telfair, who's highly touted out of high school. Um, which Moutier, in my mind, is, is basically a guy who came right out of high school. 
I don't think like 12 games in China really counts. Um, and, and so he could go that direction too, where you know he might have like a 10 year career, but he's going to be bouncing from team to team and kind of just serving as that uh, reserve point guard kind of role, never really living up to his draft stock. So yeah, I think I think uh, probably more so on uh, uh, in line here with uh, what Kay was saying, but. Uh, like I said, hey, personal biases, we're all about it. <laughs> um, now, two guys, two guys I want to talk about who have been playing playing really well uh, over the, just these past couple of games, um, but also maybe weren't playing so well, specifically when I think about the game against Sacramento uh, on the trade deadline. Uh, those two guys are Wilson Chandler and, and uh, Danilo Gallinari. We'll start with Gallo. Um, he has been looked like the Gallo of the 57 win season. The, the Gallo who has been the, up until this season, has been the best player on the Denver Nuggets. Um, Ashley, I know you're a big Gallo fan, so I'll ask you first. What, what are your thoughts just on these past couple games and how he's playing? I think he's playing incredible. I, I will agree with you. I was a little confused and a little bummed out earlier this season. I'm like, what's the deal? Like, they can't. And I think it was just symptomatic of the entire team. They were trying to find their groove, and I think now that Nikola Jokic has emerged as his facilitator, Gallinari knows what he needs to do to make Jokic do Jokic. You know, Gallo needs to make cuts, he needs to get open for him, and that's what he's doing. He said in his interview the other night that the the coaching staff has asked him to do that, come out early and be that guy leading with energy. And so I think that now, I think everybody's kind of grasping to find their role, in a sense. Like, what... What do I do here? Do I, am I the leader? Are you the leader? And now that Nicole Jokic is kind of the guy they're running stuff through, that they can all really understand what their job is and go do it. And it's a really interesting comment um, because in, 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 I, I want to stay on Gallo, but for just just this quick sidebar, you know, the big the big news pre-trade deadline, or one of the big pieces of news was that um, Wilson Chandler said he wanted he wanted more consistency. Uh, and then there was, of course, some people who took that as, "Hey, the Wilson Chandler wants to be traded." I said, "This happened," and so I think you know that's that's a that's an interesting observation because maybe that's what it takes to make Wilson happy. Is it's not so much he needs to be on a different team or he needs more minutes or anything like that, but now he's, there's like a consistent. Jokic is the guy who's who's running the offense. Jokic is the guy who's leading the team, and everybody else is going to fall into these roles um, around him. Kayla, what about you? What do you? Uh, Big big Gallo fan lately. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I've always been a Gallo fan. I think immediately after the All Star break, he just seemed to play. Like I, I don't know if he was just relieved that he didn't get traded, but yeah. there definitely seemed to be something where he like, just took it up a notch and was uh, looking for his offense more. And um, I think this season he hasn't been like as effective at getting like the free throw line. I don't think he's done it as much as he did last season. Uh, but he started to do that in the last few games. And uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of got the feeling that he was just really glad that he's still on the team. And, that's why he's kind of been playing so well. Sure. Yeah, that's um. We were talking about this pre-podcast too. Is like you know Gallo. He's made so many statements about how much he loves Denver. It's such a really good point. You know, it's uh, obviously if he loves the city as much as he does. Uh, he said, you know, hey, like he wants to have his jersey retired. Yeah. I mean, then I'm sure it was a big weight off his shoulders. And I noticed that too in the Kings game. I mean, he didn't play the best against the Kings, but that first quarter, like he was, he came out and was mm-hmm. coming. He was high energy. He was scoring a lot, and I was like, wow. This this is really uh, he's really playing well. Um, so that's a, that's a really good observation. You're probably right. He's probably just a weight off his shoulders. And uh, and I think what we're seeing now too is Gallo in preseason. He had a great preseason. If you remember, he, I mean, he was shooting like an unreal percentage. 
and, and it was all on plays that really weren't designed for him. It wasn't like you said last year where he was he all was running through him. He was, he was going to the free throw line, and that's how he was he was getting his points. Everything in the preseason we saw was mainly him just working off ball and, and getting and then making open shots. Mm-hmm. And I think now that now that they've established this this system with Jokic. And now that he's got the weight off his shoulders from the trade deadline, and he knows he's going to be here for the season, and it's, not, it's also pointed they actually got something to play for. Uh, they're still right; they're in the playoffs as of, if it were to start tomorrow. Um, I think it's just kind of all coming together for him right now, and he's he's found his role as as the scorer. But he's, he's recognizing now, hey, he's got to score maybe a little bit different ways than what he did in the last season, um, and he's just converting his shots. So I'm with I'm with both of you. It's been. Um, it's been fun to watch. It's been really fun to watch Gallo because I'm a big Gallo fan too. I, mean, I think I was telling you both, I, uh, my signature um, on Denver Stiffs and my signature line is, is a Gallinari Julius Caesar reference. Um, and I've had it for like, like ever since they traded for him. And I've always always just really liked Gallo. Uh, I liked his style of his game. I think I think in my heart of hearts I knew, hey, if you're, if you're expecting this guy to be the guy who's going to take you to the promised land, you're going to have a hard time, but he's, he's such a good complimentary player, um, and I think now we're really seeing him shine in that, in that role. Switching over back to Wilson Chandler, he, the Sacramento game, right, the trade deadline game, he was awful. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Like, he, and what was funny is his defense was awful. I remember one play where it was just like, I can't even remember who it was. I mean, it was the Kings, so some, some B-list player, but uh, he drove... You know, he drives at Chandler, and he like you know, he pivots a little bit to the right, um, and just drives right past him. And all Chandler does is kind of give like a half-hearted reach in. And I, I even tweeted out, I was like, oh, I see that I see Wilson Chandler's doing his best Matador impression tonight." Um, and then what's, what's, what's so crazy about that? And, well, I, guess, I mean, to say I mean I understand that. Like, I think Wilson probably more than anybody thought he was probably getting traded at the deadline, and, and so he probably spent the whole morning coming to terms with that, and then at the end of the day, he doesn't get traded, and then suddenly got to play a game that night. Like, so I get it. Uh, I get where he probably wasn't mentally prepared for that game at all, and, and I think it showed. But since then, the Nuggets have improved defensively overall, but more more so than anybody else, um, Wilson has improved defensively overall. I mean, Jimmy Butler in the game against Chicago scores like eight points. Giannis Antetokounmpo scores like maybe like 15 points, and, and Wilson is the guy who's defending him most of the time. I thought he was—I mean, he's basically been providing the one perimeter defender that the Nuggets needed to find so badly. Trade line, it seems like maybe they found it internally. Caleb, what are, what are, what are your thoughts on his defenses? And I guess, do you think he can keep this up? Right? Can he be the perimeter, the perimeter stopper that this team desperately needs? Yeah, I definitely think he can. And I, yeah, I saw that Malone um, like praised his his defense after the, the game against the Bucks, and I definitely think he can keep it up. Um, Wilson Chandler has always been like a player. I've, it's it's hard to beat him. Like it's, I, I'm never really sure whether he's happy. Right. Um, even that year that we won like 56 games, I, I kind of got the feeling that he wasn't um, all that happy. But then he came out and said that he loves Denver and wants to win. And now like there's rumors again that he's unhappy. But uh, I definitely think he can be um, a defensive stopper if he puts his mind to it. Absolutely. Actually, I, let me ask you this: um, Do you think, like, because the Nuggets need no help scoring, do you think it's maybe just a uh, something he's just going to re- refocusing on now? Like, instead of instead of trying to focus so much on scoring and on the offensive end, it's more of a defensive focus now for him. Yeah, I think 
Potentially. I think now that I've, I think it's just going to happen for every player on the Nuggets. Now that all of their their roles, now that Jokic is, they're running the offense through him, all their roles are coming into focus now. And I think that if Wilson Chandler is, is starting to see that this could be a viable role for him, then, then hopefully he'll continue on that path. My only my only concern with that would be he needs to get a little more mean. I mean, I think he's, you know, he's great, and I think he comes out with a lot of energy and a lot of aggression there, but I think you're, you're a defender like like the Draymond Green power forward, who's just borderline, like, dirty. You know what I mean? Uh, like, not borderline. He is <laughs> Which I'm not a proponent of, but I think you need somebody who's got a little grit there. So if Wilson can develop that, I think he could be really that perimeter, that, perimeter guy. That, I mean, that would be awesome, yeah. I mean, Draymond, that's, that's high praise. Draymond is um, one of the best defenders in the league, obviously. But, um, but you're right. I mean, Wilson has all the physical tools. You know, there's no. He's he's long. He's strong. He's quick. I mean, he's got he's got everything you need. And um, I think maybe even earlier in the season, I didn't think that. Specifically, quickness. I think Wilson was was still kind of the hip injury was maybe not even not affecting him. It was still in his mind, so he was kind of a little more hesitant about making those quick lateral moves. But I think nowadays we're just seeing. I mean, he's he's all all hands on deck. His, his play is, is phenomenal, and, I, and I'm with both of you. I think he's got the ability. Um, it's just a matter of, of, of the want to. And uh, maybe maybe that's something is, when we were talking about consistency, maybe that's something he settled with. Like, hey, my consistent role with this team is to be uh, the defender, the perimeter defender that, that they need. And I really hope so because it's been I mean, it's been the biggest issue by far this season for the Nuggets, and they, they needed to find that guy so desperately at the trade deadline. And obviously, Roy Hibbert is not a... Uh, not a perimeter defender in any sense of the word. So Wilson kind of stepping into that role is is really really good for them. He, now he's got um, he's got two more years after this year on his deal. I was gonna I was gonna ask the question. Uh, we were gonna ask who do you guys think is more likely uh, to be on the team next season, Wilson or, or Gallo? But um, given that Wilson still got a couple more years on his contract, I think it's clearly that he's more likely. It doesn't necessarily mean that he will be. So I'll ask both of you. Uh, I'll start. To, I'll start with you, Ashley. As far as Gallo, um, he's he's most likely going to opt out. Like I have to, I have to, you know, be uh, be cautious here. I can't say that Gallo is opting out because obviously we don't officially know that uh, Gallo is opting out. All right, <laughs> that's the if, 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 if you know anything about the, the economics of the league, uh, about what he's getting paid, uh, where he has. I mean, he's what he's twenty eight, so he's right in the prime. Like. If he did not opt out of his contract, he should fire his agent the very next day. So with that in mind, or with the assumption that he's going to opt out, actually I'll ask you, do the Nuggets resign him? I think absolutely. I think if he continues, again, Gallinari fan over here, but if he continues to compliment Jokic in the way he's complimenting Jokic, he's getting the numbers that the Nuggets need. He's getting, you know, he's putting up what they need from him. Okay, yeah, maybe he's not the guy. Maybe there's another guy they bring on to be that that championship guy you build around. But I think he's definitely, you know, second or third contributor on the team that you you want to keep. And because he's professed such a loyalty to Denver, I think there's an intrinsic value to that. I think somebody who wants to stay here, somebody who's invested in the city, who's not just here to try to get a ring or collect a paycheck for that matter, Right. Is, is a valuable player. So. Right. And so somebody who's not, not here to build their brand, um, 
mellow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. It's um, it's nice, right? It's nice to have guys who actually want to play here. Kayla, like you were saying, Wilson uh, has he basically wrote a love letter to the city of Denver. Um, and so it's nice having those guys. Kayla, do you, do you think Gallo is on the team next year? Um, I mean, I definitely hope so. Um, but I don't know. I I guess it depends on uh, what, what the Nuggets think as far as his future. But I, I, I think he is just because of how, how much Gallinari has uh, professed his love. And I think the Nuggets are a team that um, wants to have a reputation for being loyal to their to the players. And um, since they know he wants to stay, they, they just kind of make it happen and pay him a little extra. At least I hope they do. See, so I was, as we were kind of talking before the podcast, I kind of think, I kind of feel like that the Nuggets have, have a certain number uh, I'm just speculating, but I think they have a certain number they want to pay pay Gallo, and uh, it's going to be up to Gallo to decide if he wants to play for that number. I, I think that number will be less uh, than what other teams will offer him. Um, but but you're right; it, it may come down to yeah, hey, I'm, I, he might take a little less, might take a little hometown discount because he loves Denver so much. Um, it changes always hard to deal with. You know, obviously, professional athletes live in a, a totally different world than we do, but change is still change, and it's always hard to deal with. Especially something like that, where you got to pick up your whole life and move somewhere else. I, um, I this is this is another area where I'm going to disagree with both of you. I, I don't think he's going to be um, playing for Denver. I think ultimately Denver is going to look at. I think Denver wants to make a splash next season. Um, they want to make a big signing. And the free agent market's not great, but I think they're they're more more so than anything. They are desperate to get people back in the stadium, to get eyeballs back on the TV. Um, so they're going to they're going to do everything they can. I mean, they tried this offseason, right? I mean, Dwayne Wade is not a not a giant, attractive free agent anymore, right? He's at the end of his career. Man, they put him full, full court press to try and get him. If they don't, I think they do that again. And I think this time, because more so than last time, especially if they make the playoffs, they have a a tangible result to say, hey, this team is trending up, and hey, we've got this kid, Nicole Jokic, who is going to be a star on this league, if not already. I think he is. But, um, and I think they can pitch that pitch that to older veteran players who are who are also, you know, borderline star kind of guys. Um, and then they've got the, the be-all and end-all, which is a boatload of cash. Um, I think they focus on that, and then I don't know if there's room uh, room for Gallo at the uh, when, when that's said and done. Now, if they strike out again, they could. They could certainly get Gallo. But here's the thing: is is you with the way the NBA works is like you could be they could be working on trying to sign some other free agent, someone they have you know they, they Gallo's their backup plan. And in the time that it takes to do that negotiation and figure that out, somebody else could already sign Gallo and have him playing for them. So I'm I'm not as optimistic as you are. I'm with I'm with both of you. I, I hope he is. I'm a big Gallo fan, like I said. Um, I just think I think. Economics-wise, and, and what the Nuggets want to do, uh, I think I think it's probably his it's time here is about to come to a close. But we'll see. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll go ahead and take a break, and then uh, we uh, like like we're still I uh, I developed my format for this podcast on the fly, um, but I think what we'll try and do is the same thing we did last week. Is now we'll, we'll get a little bit into the Nuggets. Like, so we talked a little bit about the games they played. Um, We'll get a little bit into that, and then we'll take a little bit, uh, a little look at uh, what's upcoming. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. 
The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Pickaxe Podcast. Zach Nikosh, Denver Stiffs. I am here with the all Randy cast. Uh, Ashley Douglas, Kayla Osby. We um, we all bleed, bleed the green and gold, as well as the sky blue and gold as well. So we'll get back into it. Uh, we, had, we had a couple games, three games last week. We'll touch on them briefly. I think we talked a little bit about them. Um, um, already, so we didn't really talk about this loss to Memphis, and I, well, it's, Memphis is a team, they, they just, they match up well um, against the Nuggets, they're, they're a team that wants to grind it out, somehow they always force the Nuggets into playing that, that style, uh, they've got an equally as skilled big in Mark Gasol, uh, they've got great defenders like Tony Allen, and then I think what we saw, specifically, in, in this, this last game, um, is, is the Nuggets have gone with Jameer Nelson as their starting point guard, they're Unless he gets hurt or completely tense, he's going to be their starting point guard for the rest of the season. Um, that Memphis game, I thought, really exposed the defensive problem there. Because when you get a really good point guard like Mike Connolly, um, who's quick, who can shoot, who's a really good defender in his own right, um, I think it really highlights the weaknesses of Jameer, specifically uh, the weaknesses Jameer has defensively. Connolly ends up having a big game against the Nuggets. Kayla, do you think? I mean, they're obviously they're going to get, if they make the playoffs, they're going to get the Warriors, right? And nobody can defend Steph Curry. But do you think because Jameer's under contract next season too, is this going to be an issue for them? Right? Can they really have Jameer as a starting point guard when we're seeing so many teams? I mean, Steph Curry, we've got Russell Westbrook, we've got uh, Damian Lillard, both in our own in our own division. Um, Chris Dunn with Minnesota might end up becoming uh, a much better player. He's certainly got the athleticism. Is it going to be an issue having Jameer as a starter? Are they going to have to do something defensively? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be an issue just because he's so undersized and never really been known for defense. Um, I think the good thing about having Gary Harris is that you can just kind of put him on um, the other team, you know, the other team's point guard. But um, yeah, I mean that's why I don't think we should give completely up on Woody because even though he's not like a great defender, he obviously has size and he can. Uh, I think he can get those skills um, to be to be good down down the line. But yeah, I think it's definitely going to be an issue if you have Jameer trying to. Steph Curry and all the teams. Best. Right. I mean, you know, you've got an issue trying to defend Steph Curry yeah. no matter what, right? But um, that's a really good point about Moutier. Because, as funny, talking Steph Curry, for some reason, I always, not for some reason, they're the best games to go see, but I'm always at the Warriors games anytime they're in town. Um, and I always really focus 
on on Steph Curry, and not only because he's a great player, but because I try and find the weaknesses in his game. Uh, and the main weakness Steph Curry has is he really can't stay. Moutier specifically, he cannot stay in front of him um, when Curry's on defense. But the other thing I've noticed is when Moutier is, um, when he's really focused and he's, and he's, um, he's trying his best at the defense, on the defensive end, he actually defends Curry pretty well. I mean, not, like I said, nobody can defend Curry completely. Nobody can really, if, if Curry wants to score 20 plus points, he's just going to do it. All he has to do is take enough shots. Um, you're right. I mean, Moody is six foot five. That's that's big for point guard, and not and he's not a skinny six foot five either. I'm not I'm not trying to say he's not shape. He is. He's, he's but he's you know he's he's a he's a stout guy. Um, so I, I agree with you there. I think that's a good a good observation that maybe he, he another reason not to not to give up on him so soon is he can he can kind of help you there. Actually, what do you think about the idea? Gary Harris kind of slides over. I mean, cause you you run into a height issue there, right? Is is Jameer is short. In basketball terms, he still towers over me. But uh, mm-hmm. Jameer is a shorter guy. Do you think you can you can shift him on onto shooting guards and, and kind of put Gary Harris on a more dynamic point guard? Yeah, I think so. I, I it's a good option if you have Jameer in the game and you absolutely have to put somebody else in because he's just simply not going to defend. Uh, but I think that ultimately that's a you're going to settle with that. And if you're looking at a team, so if the Nuggets remain in the eighth seed and then they do go to face Golden State in the in the playoffs, they can't they're gonna have to have another option than Jameer Nelson because I think at that point if, if the Nuggets wanna pretend to be focusing on defense while continuing to start Jameer Nelson it's an oxymoron. I think that uh, you know somebody who flat does not defend and who is undersized, you can't you can't leave him in there, especially with a small ball team like the, the Warriors. I think you're gonna need to make perimeter defense a major focus. Maybe that's Gary Harris, but I think also Jamal Murray has shown some really great aggression on defense. Um, you know, especially you know offensively, which is great. So Yeah, no, and it's uh, so the Warriors are one of those teams like they they, they present a challenge like when the Nuggets were playing the Grizzlies, you, you potentially could have moved Jameer um, over to the shooting guard because Tony Allen plays shooting guard, and Tony Allen is not a scorer. He's, he's there to play defense. Warriors, uh, their shooting guard is Clay Thompson, who is an amazing scorer, also an amazing defender as well. But um, So I agree, you're going to run into those situations where you, you can't really shift Jameer over to the shooting guard because then he's just going to get burned by whoever that is. Uh, and the Warriors, the like, you know, banner for that. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I know they're going to go with Jameer uh, one way or another. I think... It, there's just too much. We've had too much inconsistency at the point guard position that they want that veteran. Coach Malone wants that veteran presence um, running his offense. I agree with you though that it's something to look at, especially in this maybe an adjustment you make in that series of hey maybe we, we put we put uh, Jameer on the bench and we start Jamal Murray because because you're right. There's no way you're going to win. I don't know how you win a game trying to defend Steph Curry with Jameer Nelson much less make a competitive series out of it. Um, but like I said, you can't really shift him around. And, and I've been really surprised with Jamal Murray. <laughs> kind of the knocks on Jamal Murray coming out of college was, well, he's, he's not really a great defender. And I asked Tim Connolly um, specifically about on draft night. I asked him, I said, do you feel like you've addressed the, the defensive issues? Which he said yes, and he, but he even made the comment himself that he said, you know, Jamal right now has some work to do to improve on that. But he also said, but I believe that Jamal can be a plus defender. 
And I think we're really seeing it. I think. I mean, I've been so impressed with Jamal. We could we could spend a whole po- podcast on Jamal. Uh, I've been so impressed with his his adapt adaptability to uh, the NBA and how he's he's just consistently improved. And, and you're you're totally right, Ashley. His defense is probably been either his defense or, or his uh, his body control and his athleticism. Um, those have been like the biggest surprises for me. So it's yeah, it's maybe something to look at. Um, I think long term. I mean, Jameer's not long term, right? He's only got one more year on his contract. It'd be shocking if they would re-sign him with the intention of making him the starter. Um, and then, so I think Jamal is showing that defensive ability is, is really, really encouraging because, because like I said, there are there are a ton of good point guards in our division. There are a ton of good point guards in the Western Conference. There are a ton of good point guards in the NBA. It's just kind of where the NBA is going right now. So maybe that's something they do. Um, until for right now, I, I tend to agree with both of you that you're going to have a problem um, with Jameer Nelson as your starting point guard. You're going to have a problem on defense. You're going to have a lot of problems on defense, though. So maybe at this point, you know, especially past the deadline, it is what it is. Um, moving on to the two, so that was that was the down point of our of our week. And then we had a really high point. We had we had back to back road games in in the Midwest. And, and last week on the podcast, I said you, I said you know Chicago and Milwaukee they're not they're not world leaders by any sense. But you're playing you're on the road uh, on their home court. You're especially Milwaukee who has who has an amazing player um, in Giannis. And then uh, also you're playing them on the second game of a back to back. I I thought they were going to certainly drop away. Wouldn't it surprise me if they lost both of those games? And, and they end up winning both of them, which is which is great because I thought they would maybe steal that Memphis game when they lost that one. The number one thing though that I've noticed, and we, we've touched a little bit when we were talking about Wilson Chandler, um, the defense is getting better. Like they they've held after that Sacramento game, they've held every single team under 110 points, and holding teams under 110 points by no means makes you a you know defensive powerhouse in the NBA. But for the Nuggets, it's certainly marked improvement compared to where they were. Kayla, what do you what do you think overall on the defense? Is it, I mean, are they just more focused? Are they are they did they change something? What are you seeing? Uh, yeah, I think I think they're just more focused. Um, I would still like to see this more like consistency. Like even during defensive games, it'll still be like a quarter or two where they right. uh, kind of lose focus and um, let other teams score. But um, I, yeah, I think it's just mainly just them being willing to play defense and being focused on it and. Uh, yeah, I think you've definitely seen that from the last couple of games. Do you think uh, the addition of, of Mason Plumley in any way? Because I think you know Mason's not a great rim protector by any means, but I don't know. There's just some more consistency there, I think, and I think it, you see it on the defensive end too. What about you? Do you think that that's helpful? Yeah, I definitely think he he helps. I mean, he he just he's just another body down there that I think. Um, yeah, he's not like a big rim protector, but I think he does a good job of standing his ground and. Right. Letting other teams right. You know what? Uh, another thing, um, he. I think what we're seeing. Um, we can talk about this a little bit. It's not, not on my run now, but whatever. Uh, we we make the podcast up as we go. Um, he has played really well so far in, in what we've seen next to Nikola Jokic. Right? It's not. Um, he's shown the ability to kind of play power forwards and let Jokic just sit down there as a center. And I think. Defensively, maybe that doesn't help them out. It's not a major difference, but it's from where they were these past few games. But it's a major difference from when they were trying to play Jokic and Nurkic together, right? Because you couldn't, you couldn't ask Jokic to defend power forwards. He was just getting killed uh, by anybody with any any decent amount of athleticism. Because 
as Coach Malone has said himself, Nikola Jokic cannot jump over the Sunday newspaper. So there's <laughs> there, these whenever you had to put him out on those athletic power forwards, it didn't. It just didn't work. And Mason Plumlee is actually very athletic, surprisingly athletic. So um, I think that's helped them improve quite a bit. Ashley, what about you as far as, as far as defense, and then as far as I guess we'll get into the Mason Plumlee and, and Nikola Jokic pairing. I mean, what are your thoughts there? Is that um, is, is the defense improving one, and two is is the Mason Plumlee Nikola Jokic lineup viable? I think the defense has improved, and I know I keep harping on this, but I really think it's it's mainly a byproduct of roles coming into focus. I think that everybody's been so confused all season, and now that they're really starting to see where they can contribute, they're starting to see where they can contribute, and they're putting that into action. I also think that they've tightened up their defense, meaning they're, they're playing people a little more closely versus giving them so much room. There's been so many plays, and, you know, I'm going to – Call Gallinari out a little bit, but I've seen so many plays where Gallinari, you know, he's he's backing up as somebody's getting ready to drive to the rim, and he'll literally open up one way or another and give them an open lane to go to the rim, and so um, I think that's stopping a little bit. I think the Mason Plumley Nicole Jokic thing is very cool because um, I think Mason he he brings a work ethic and a consistency to the to the team yeah. both of them are in and I think that perhaps that athleticism will will be beneficial on playing the, the really tough power forwards like a Draymond Green and yeah. um, where Nicole Jokic would get worked in that situation and probably Wilson Chandler too to be honest yeah well yeah because Draymond's got the size right I mean Wilson's got the athleticism to keep up with him but uh, Draymond's a he's a beefy dude so you're right I mean Mason probably gives you kind of gives you both of that that's really good Good observation. I wanted to say the one thing I noticed there with the you're right, Gallinari will shade uh, to one side or the other, which is which is to all you rec basketball player uh, out there listening, like that that's absolutely the way to play defense in a rec league. Like if you want to be successful there, just just shade to a guy's right side and, and make him try and drive to the left hand on his left hand because nobody in rec league can do it. NBA a little different, right? Those guys there, some guys are obviously more dominant to one hand or the other, which maybe that's a little bit of what Gallinari's thinking is there. But everybody in the NBA, um, or most everybody in the NBA, can, is capable of, of driving and finishing with both hands. So it doesn't work as well. And you're right, though, he, he seems to have um, kind of cleaned that up a bit. And the team in general has just cleaned up their defense. I'm skeptic, or skeptical. They have been really bad. I sound like a broken record because I talk about it all the time, but it's just like... These are the days. These are the, I don't even know if this is the George Carl days. Because George Carl days, the team scored a ton of points on us. That's because we never let the shot clock get below 10 seconds, right? There was just a ton of possessions. And there wasn't a lot of focus on defense either. Um, this time, you know, because it's weird. Because Coach Malone is such a defensive guy, and he harps on it every single game, every single post game, whether they win or lose. Coach has got something to say about the defense. And, and for whatever reason, it just hasn't stuck. But, um, I mean, it's, it's looked better. So, so hopefully, like I said, I'm skeptical. Um, hopefully it's, uh, it gets better. In general, though, I mean, the, these past two games, the play has just been, has been better on both sides of the court. And, and those two, I mean, it's impressive because the Nuggets have been such an inconsistent team. It was impressive to see them go out and get two wins on the road. However, that being said... They also, just prior to those winning those two games on the road, had lost two of their last three, including losing to a Sacramento Kings, who is 
has like nobody now on their team or is who clearly is rebuilding. Uh, the only win they get is against the Nets, who would much rather lose games than win them. So I don't know. I, I, I'm so I'm so back and forth about whether hey whether this team is actually maybe maybe it's a sign uh, of things that are changing. Maybe they're finally getting it together with kind of identifying everybody's roles like we've been talking about. Um, Kayla, I'll ask you, what do you think? Is this a sign? Are the Nuggets turning in the right direction? Or do you think they still are going to be a more inconsistent team that we're going to, going to end up dropping these games? Um, yeah, I'm really hesitant to say that this is like the last two games maybe the way it is, it is the rest of the season. Because, um, yeah, we've thought that before this season. Like, we got after the need to line up change, but I think that we've lost five in a row. Um, but, yeah, I think for the rest of the season we'll probably be more inconsistent than consistent. But I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I still think we're going to continue to get better. And, um, yeah, I think on defense, as long as, as, long as we show some – desire to, to get better, I think it'll um, definitely improve. So. Gotcha. Ashley, what about you? I think that now they're going to be a little more consistent. I'm not going to say that they're going to be, like you said, like the last two games the rest of the season, but I think now they're they're actually not just hearing what works for them, but they're putting it into practice and experiencing what works for them. And the more that they do that, the more they'll understand how they can do that, you know, versus stumbling upon it in a game and then they just have this great game where they're all on. I think now they know what gets them to that point and they're going to begin practicing those things more and more. Hopefully in the off season and in the next season. Yeah, hopefully, right? Well, hopefully, you know, maybe they address it. I still think as good as Wilson Chandler has been, they still need to get someone um, someone who can help them defend uh, on the perimeter. I mean, hopefully Gary Harris. Because uh, I, I know Gary hasn't been good, and there's been a lot of talk on this podcast and elsewhere about how Gary's kind of overrated as a defender. Um, he's another guy, though. He has all the physical tools. He's, he's, a, he's a bit short for a shooting guard, but his wingspan is, is uh, more than adequate, and he's, he's got the quickness. He's got the strength. He's got the instincts. Again, just another guy for whatever reason. This this year it hasn't um, this hasn't worked out. I I like where both your your heads are at on this. I don't necessarily think that this is a, a time for them to start to complain. The Nuggets are clearly haven't figured out, and now let's get ready for the playoffs. Uh, I think they're very much still in danger of not making the playoffs because of their inconsistencies. Um, so I think. You know, it's it's too early to say. It's encouraging, though. It certainly is. Um, as far as though, if they're gonna make the playoffs, if they're not, the key is gonna be, in my mind, without a doubt, the key is gonna be this next these next eight games. They will play seven of their next eight at home, starting tonight against the Charlotte Hornets, who have uh, been been up and down this season. They're a bit down. Um, right now, I, I hope no no adamant Charlotte Hornets fans. I don't think any adamant Charlotte Hornets fans will listen to this podcast. But if they do, and I'm wrong about that, I apologize. I know they were down right before the All Star break. I haven't really checked in on the Hornets since since All Star break. But a beatable team that you could beat on your home court, right? They have three other very beatable teams in the eight game stretch: twice against the Kings, uh, once against the Lakers, and then they have some, some tough games. They got the Rockets, the uh, they have the Cavaliers, the Clippers, and then I'm missing one other team. The Celtics. And the Celtics. That's right. That's right. The Wizards. So it's not the Cavaliers. They got the Wizards, right? The Celtics yeah. and Wizards. So Celtics and Wizards are, are playoff teams. The Rocks and Clippers are obviously playoff teams. 
all at home. So there's there's a chance there. Kayla, uh, how crucial to you is this? Is are these next eight games? Does it make or break the season time? Yeah, I, I think definitely. I think if we can uh, win the games that we're supposed to, and then steal some of the games against like the Celtics and some of the better teams, then I think we can get enough by the end of that stretch. I think we can get maybe enough distance to where we, you know, can feel confident about making the playoffs. But um, yeah, I think we definitely have to win those uh, at least one of the games against the Kings um, to get some distance between them. And um, yeah, I think hopefully by by the end of that stretch, um, hopefully we'll be at least three, maybe three and a half games. Um, about the, the team in the next spot. That, uh, yeah, that, that's certainly doable, I think, mm-hmm. it, it, if they do what they, you say. I mean, they got to take care of business and maybe steal game. I think even if they, if they can take care of business, right? if they can win the four games, which, of course, is with the, this Nuggets team is such, like, you can't you can't count on them to do that, as we said. Um, but if they can win the four games, the two against the Kings, the Hornets tonight, and then the Lakers, and even just steal one between mm-hmm. the Celtics, the Wizards, the, the Rockets, and the Clippers... I think I think they'll be they'll be set. I really do. I think it'll at that point um, it's going to be tough for another team to catch them. As Ryan Ryan pointed out on the a podcast last last week, they do have a very tough closing stretch, so it is it is really important right now. Uh, actually, the same question though is it is it is it a make or break moment in the season? I mean, I guess it depends on how the other teams perform, you know, that right. are below the Nuggets. I think they're, so, standing stated, they're three games ahead right now. So, if they can, you know, I think tonight against Charlotte is, is uh, something we want to we we keep that healthy lead, you know, I think, because we definitely have some, and I say we, the Nuggets, I have a bad habit of that. The Nuggets have the Washington Wizards, the Boston Celtics, you know, the Clippers, the Rockets, Cleveland. Those are going to be tough games. Right. You know, so if they can clinch Charlotte and, and Sacramento, um, and again, Sacramento and the Lakers, maybe those are the ones that they try to focus on winning. And obviously, you, don't, you want to win the other ones too, but it's going to be tough. If they want to keep their spot, they're going to need to get those kind of easier wins. No doubt. They, um, yeah, they, you know what? They have to beat the kids. Like, they have to do it. If nothing else, they're going to finally get Coach a win against the yes. team. Like, it is... I know it just drives him crazy that he can't do it. And I really thought they were going to get it uh, last week, and then they don't. They, they end up just playing terrible. Um, maybe it was two weeks ago. So uh, I agree with both of you. I think I think if you don't if you don't finish above 500, granted, like you were saying, Ashley, depending on what the people behind them do, but I think if you don't finish, if nothing else, if you don't finish above 500 in these next eight games, um, it's a massive wasted opportunity to really put some distance in between you because nobody, everybody else who's behind them has been just as inconsistent, right? The, uh, the 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 Pelicans make the big trade for Demarcus Cousins and then they lose three straight, and then the first game they win is when Cousins is out. The uh, the Kings, like I said, they're in they're in a rebuild. Uh, there's no doubt about it. They they got a little boost the the Patrick Ewing effect as um, as uh, Evan was talking about last week, but that dies off. Um, same thing with the Nuggets trade, though. That was the only time I've seen it where they, the team actually rallied the whole rest of the season. Uh, the the Blazers, the Blazers, I'm gonna make brand new, uh, you know, star center Yusuf Nurkic for them. Apparently, is he's gonna carry them. But uh, the Blazers are probably the most dangerous because they have so much talent on the team. They're they're the biggest disappointment, in my opinion. They're the biggest disappointment this season. So. 
mean, I don't know. Dallas, there. I've always said that I thought maybe Dallas would be the team, but they just just can't seem to get over the hump. Um, so you're right. I mean, maybe it's not make or break because it's, you know, over the next eight games, it's just as possible that all the teams behind them end up you know going less than 500 as well. But if, like I said, if nothing else, it's a it's a massive opportunity that they, they can't waste because it, it's so much tougher. It's going to make it so much harder on them after these next eight games. If they if they end up you know four and four three and five something like that, um, so I guess we'll just get down to it. Uh, a little couple of predictions here. Uh, Ashley, I ask you first. Next eight games, how many games will they win? I think they'll win five, uh, four to five of those games for sure. Again, like I said, because I think they're learning what works for them and how to get there, right. how to get in that groove. So hopefully they continue to practice that. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, Kayla? Uh, I'm just going to be really optimistic and say like six. I think we can, yeah, I think we can, I don't know. I feel confident against the Celtics and, and Wizards. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, I think as long as we win the games that we're supposed to, I think we can steal a couple of the other ones. I like it. I like it. Six and two. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I think I'll, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you all. I think probably five. Um, six if it goes really well, four if it doesn't go so well. They've made me such a pessimist this season because of, because of the inconsistency. I'd say they'll probably four and four is actually probably where I think they end up. I think they they probably steal the game um, against against the Celtics or, or the Wizards. I don't think they beat the Rockets. I don't think they beat the Clippers. Um, but they probably like lose. They'll lose tonight to the Hornets or they'll lose that game in Sacramento. Or they'll lose to the Lakers. Like it's just been the way they've been this whole season. But, um, but Kayla, I like your optimism. I hope so. Man. I really hope so. They go six and two. That would be awesome. Um, so we'll wrap it up here, basically, uh, with another just prediction. Um, actually, this time we'll start with you. Bottom line: Do the Nuggets make the playoffs? I believe they do. I, I again, here we go back to that. They know what works for them now. They know how to get to what works for them. If they just continue to hone in on their roles and practice those roles and not try to do anything fancy. Don't try to go change everything. Do what you know is good and what you're good at, then, then they'll make it. Gotcha. All right, Kayla? Yeah, I think so, too, just because, like you said, all the other teams are so inconsistent, and there's been so many times this season where, you know, we've had down stretches, and I, you, you expect us to be completely out of the playoff race, but you look and, and we never get too far behind. So um, I just don't see any of those other teams as, you know, going like a huge run and, and getting back that eight spot. So I, I think that stay there for the rest of the season. Gotcha. Uh, I agree. I think they get it done. I think um, I was really skeptical right at the trade deadline because I thought uh, I thought the DeMarcus Cousins trade was um, was going to put New Orleans over the top, but it's such a, they were already kind of in a precarious spot, um, and then losing three in a row, especially when the Nuggets lost two games in there, uh, they weren't able to capitalize on that. Really hurt them, and now it's as you know, it's almost becomes like a, a time or just the quantity of games remaining is starting to work against them. Um, and teams like Dallas, I think now Portland is probably the biggest threat. Um, the only people who want the only people in, in Portland who want the Blazers to make the playoffs are, are the, the players because they tell you the fans they 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 are not not about Portland getting into the eight seed so they can just get swept or, or beat by the, the Warriors. Um, and I, I think I think maybe that maybe that I mean get speculating, 
think that mentality is a little bit is creeping into the back of the minds of some of the players. Obviously, a guy like Damian Lillard is such a competitor. I'm sure he wants to win. But maybe the players are starting to think, you know, wait, wait, what's the point? Why, why are we, you know, we're so concerned about making the playoffs just so we can get, to, just so we can be by the Warriors? Maybe not. Um, either way, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Nuggets fan first and foremost, so I'll be an optimist. I'll agree with both of you. I think I think they get it in, uh, get in the playoffs. Maybe maybe steal a game or two against the Warriors, and then and then everybody can say, yay, we made the playoffs. Look how much we improved, and then you, you go from there uh, forward. Um, all right, so that's gonna that's gonna wrap up the uh, the pickaxe this week. It, uh, that was that was a really good one. I'm really impressed by my my two guests here. Um, Ashley, I appreciate you. Uh, you know, Gordon gave me a really hard time about him having to drive from Colorado Springs, so I appreciate you, you not doing that. I appreciate you. Yeah, being no the show. problem. And then Pleasure. Kayla, um, it was great. Uh, your first yeah. very first podcast yeah. ever, right? Yeah. You are a, a podcast pro. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> All right, everybody. So we will. Um, we will see you maybe not next week. I don't know. I gotta. I got something to do next weekend, so we'll see. I'll try and I'll try and get one, um, post one. For if not, though, we'll see you in two weeks. And uh, as always, DenverStiffs.com. Uh, Ashley, you are at Ashley NBA Hoops. Correct. Yep. Okay. Nice. So at Ashley NBA Hoops um, and on Twitter, and then at Nugget. Chico with a C, no K, correct? Correct, yeah. All right. So uh, make sure to give Ashley and Kayla both a follow on Twitter. Also, if you're not following Denver Stiffs, give us a follow. Uh, the Pickaxe Podcast is on Twitter, at Pickaxe Podcast. Um, and, yeah, make sure to keep checking us out. We'll have great stuff up all, all week on the site. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local government and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.